0: CITR 101.9 FM. Welcome to African Rhythms. I'm back with co-host the ever enlightening Mike Ingram. Welcome, hey. Mike. Good evening,
1: David. How are
0: you? Oh, I'm excellent. So I'm um, good to be back on a full-on three-hour show with you. That's really the way to do it, to get deeper into the soul and the African musical tree around the world. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. So let's continue on with... Maybe we should just say a couple things about the Aretha. How special music just doesn't really get much better than that you
1: know oh that was some good old-fashioned old-school squealing there on a the part of rethought she lost her highs about five six years ago but she continued to do concerts and perform and uh they scaled things down for a voice but you know that was like the tail end of her still having some uh, reasonable range in her voice so when you hear that shouting and that squealing and whatnot it kind of set you off get a little tingle going in there, yeah you know? it,
0: it sure does and that you know that's that's the kind of music we're bringing to you here and that's what you're going to hear in the next three hours is a beautiful melange of uh, the best in soul latin african you name it jazzy and soulful and another of our favorite sam d's we just got to bring this on one more time the great after all let's go to it <laughs>
2: your things is the only love in your life well. cause after sharing my love and wealth with you you're not satisfied with anything I do you treat me like a free ride a free ride You seem to make The case open and shut You may get what you want Here today But you better make sure That it will last always Cause you will never find Another fool like me Oh. So unbelievable how you could sit there With a straight face And lie, 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 lie Just like you had no shame The way you walk by me like a naughty there, with your eyes turned away and your nose in air This is what I get in return. Your family and friends How you could sit there and pretend I was a monster Yeah, yeah, yeah Hey, I thought that we could remain friends But you and I can't even be strangers again Cause I don't know you I just don't know you
0: Music like the Sam D's, after all, um, I realize that great music somehow is not getting through in the video age as easily. I think and that's a good point. Yeah.
2: There's a place we'd like to know. Someone to say why won't you stay? Why won't you share your heavy alone? And that's the place that we shall know. and reach the sky
0: Beautiful Originals track from Portraits of the Originals. That's something really special, Mike.
1: Oh, man, you just have to love the way they built that from the ground up. I mean, solid foundation, wonderful vocal and string arrangements and how all the voices just blend like you're weaving a sweater or something like that, man. it's I just know. It just welp- it wraps you up and you feel warm when you hear it because it's just beautiful work from top yeah. to bottom.
0: You're right. Well, Soul Perfection, I think we should give them another blast from the Dells versus the Dramatics. Yeah, we're going with the heavy hitters here. I tell you it's like
1: World Series of Soul coming out here. But I got to make a quick aside for all the Florida Marlins fans out there in the house. Big hello and all that good stuff and the Cleveland Indian fans. It's all good but until y'all change that logo y'all going to have some problems. You know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) That's been a hell of a close series. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, and so was the Dells versus the Dramatics. And on this tune uh, they build and build until they're all screaming in beautiful heavenly <laughs> harmony. <laughs> yes, indeed. Let's go to it, brother. Okay. <laughs>
2: and our vows to love. And you slowly walk inside I'll hold you close Kiss you, tell me We're gonna look so good Arm in arm so naturally
0: beautiful track picturesque Bunny Sigler ladies and gentlemen and that is a vocal talent to be reckoned with. Mm. Boy I like that
1: little doo thing happening in the beginning there you know that's that definitely is an indication of how the transition formed even though Bunny Sigler did this on his own the backup vocals and everything indicated the essence of doo with the mm. different part harmonies and things like that there but it yeah, it's br- exciting oh to listen to. Oh, for sure, to, man. You know? it's, it's just beautiful stuff, but it's also... We were touching on this earlier. It talks about the... Uh, we've we've spoken f- several times about the extolling the praises of Philadelphia International and how they do such an excellent job with arrangement and, and uh, vocals and all the other types of things. But what really impresses me most is that for everything they do behind the microphone, you could not work for Philly International if you didn't have the chops. Every vocalist, every artist that was ever on Philly International's roster... Was able to sing A lot of record labels Are able to hide People who aren't As vocally talented Shall we Mm. say And they'll cover up Their flaws But
0: never with Philly International Yeah with uh, Dexter Wanzel And Bunny Siegel And Mm -hmm. all these Just giant talents Behind the scenes And here's Bunny On this record Which is from about 74 There's Uh he, you know, he's got these ballads uh, like that and then the 7-inch Regina another very special moments where he's just uh, laying down these no bars, beautiful soul singing. Yes, you know? and this is an artist
1: who didn't even um, really make an effort to pursue a career because he was so much in
0: demand behind the scenes as an arranger and producer. Exactly, and there are many artists like that. It was a time that a lot of really talented people were getting paid. It know? all
1: depends on what sound seems to be the dominant sound at that point in time david and i think that's the reason why when philly international was at full strength and everybody was really into it people like bunny Sigler had the luxury of going into the studio to actually perform because everything else like I said, they had such a big workload working and doing stuff for everybody else mm. they didn't have that kind of time that that attitude doesn't seem prevalent nowadays because everything seems to be in such a disposable frame of mind that you like you know kick it out get it out there Dish it out and let's go and work on to the next person.
0: But isn't it amazing how uh, the effect that trends have on what artists are doing? I mean, take the next band we're just about to hear Soul Children, Mm -hmm. you know, starting in this earthy, Southern, very deep vein. I mean, mm-hmm. they laid down legendary underground records in the late 60s, early 70s, and then eventually they went more and more disco until they became, at the end of their CBS career, complete garbage. Exactly, you know?
1: and that's a good word, too, because that's exactly what it was. As people became more uh, aware of what kind of sta- what kind of music was coming out of the Stacks organization in that neck of the woods, you know, they were pleased with what they were getting. It was a matter of the A&R people and the record company people being too greedy and not seeing the big picture. We mm-hmm. see now that with the death of the Stacks organization and the survival of a group of a label like Malico that didn't care anything about that. Malico stayed true to the music, stayed very much in its own little uh, genre there. And in the South. And Ma- mm-hmm. and Malico weathered the storm. Malico was the tiniest out of all of them. And here it. Malico is still here. Stacks and all its...
0: Yeah, Children they have a business. They're, they're Basically, gone. they've got a business know-how that's going on, They've got a, and uh, sometimes the repopularization of a genre or a field suddenly can come on. I mean, when people realize the greatness of songwriting and roots music and, and uh, vocal ability and these kinds of things, um, I think they do, but they don't realize it when few people have slipped through. Yeah, I think that's a good point,
1: because in every... Uh time frame, there's always been an X factor involved. And we spoke on this in the last show briefly about how hip hop changed the factors for everybody because the record companies, the big companies saw that they, the public could take their, take their dollars and give it to the kids, give it to the people who were playing the music that they wanted to hear. So when they got taken out of the equation, all of a sudden they want to come in and buy everything up and be involved in distribution. And that changed music briefly for everybody because now it woke up a lot of old careers and it helped to create some new careers and it also helped a lot of young artists to realize that they could control their own destiny a little bit more than maybe those predecessors in the 50s and 60s who were pretty much at the mercy of record companies and yeah. you know, rather
0: shady folks. Unfortunately, mean um, the vision of hip hop, and, and, and I love it, of um, you know sampling great tunes and the creativity of that, not enough bands so far have Got d- deep, deep into creating their own grooves to the degree and scale of JBs and Funk Incorporated and some of the the really heavy, sophisticated funk bands. There is some of that going on in the f- what they call fusion field mm-hmm. with GRP and whatever. Yeah, that that takes work.
1: You know, yeah. it takes work. It's t- it's a lot of effort. From personal experience, it takes work. To keep a band together, it takes a lot of money. It definitely takes a lot of temperament. You definitely cannot have a a ego thing happening and whatnot on the negative side if you're going to maintain and and keep a band and have a sound and define it and work on it and stuff. So all of these things, uh, they have a little more leeway for now. But that wasn't as much a luxury, you know, over the last few years because of the way the large record companies were merging and becoming even larger ones and really shortening the artistic frameworks for a lot of their
0: acts. Mm, yeah, fascinating. Okay, well let's go back now then to uh, the days of real music where cottage industry labels and things were going on and it was a beautiful time and here is one of its great exponents, the Soul Children.
3: This is a song about love The joy of having it And the agony of being without it I've heard it said That all is fair in love and war And I can see why Because when the heart gives a command The mind, soul and body must obey. This is about a young girl that got hung up on a married man. In all her life, she had been taught that this is wrong. She tried to shake it loose, but it didn't work, she was in too deep. And soon, neighbors began whispering. And that's when her conscience went to work. It got to the point she would walk the floor at night, searching for a solution. And one of those nights, she remembered she heard somewhere that open confession is good for the soul. So she went to her mother and confessed that she was hung up on a married man. And her mother, being the religious type, told her these words. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. But I think the words she wanted to hear at that time, two composers summed it all up. They brought it on down in the words of this song. For fear of people talking When they find he belongs to someone else Even though it's wrong Wrong. in the public's eyesight
2: Love makes, it, love. makes, love it, makes it, right. it right Love makes it right love love.
3: same way I would feel if I caught you with another home I knew comes first and second to that Me for someone else. I'll be a
2: part-time love but that's as far as I go. To be a part-time fool would be
3: stooping a little too low.
0: some great singing. That's the Soul Children and this is a Friction mic, which to me is one of their finest records. It was an excellent piece of work, uh,
1: 1974 by Stax and you know you would never know from the work that was done that we were talking about Stax in the midst of its death throes because this was the time where all of a sudden things were changing and everybody was getting into a disco thing, which was kind of sad because they weren't doing quality disco, but the bottom line in the whole deal is that Stax uh, didn't do a decent job in figuring the big picture, and because of that uh, great artists and great musicians had to suffer for it. I mean, this is a killer lineup you got here. You got Al Jackson from Booker T and the MGs, mm. the Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section, the Memphis Horns I mean, this was the essence of what Stax Sound was about from the time it was born
0: Yeah, I mean, this record uh, from the first time I heard it, Mike, it uh, shook me, <laughs> and uh, you know I've enjoyed it ever since, and let's hear another track, What's Happening, Baby Hey,
4: are you going out again tonight? You was out last night. As a matter of fact, you've been out every night this week. Is that a new dress? Oh, you had it quite a while. I see. It looks good on you. Even though it's quite revealing, wouldn't you say so? Oh, you believe in letting it all hang out. Okay, well I can dig it. But what I want to know when you stop believing, let it all hang out. When I stop noticing you, oh uh, wait a minute, baby, you can come with something better than that. I've been noticing you, all right.
2: I've
4: been noticing a change. Wait a minute now, holy, don't tell me you haven't changed. Hey, I can see I'm not blind. I walk into the room, you hang up the telephone, like you're saying something you don't want me to hear. Who will you be talking to? And when I come around, you shy away from me like I'm pausing or something. when we go to bed. I'd be afraid to reach over, you know, and touch you. It. It's really getting to the point, you know, where I feel like a stranger in my own home. Hey, you know that that ain't cool. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is,
2: damn it.
4: Hey, it was a time we could sit down and, you know, talk over whatever problem we had. Well, now sit down. I know your friends out there, but look at me. Tell
2: me. Tell me. What's happening, baby? Tell me. Tell me what's happening, baby.
4: Every time you hear a car horn blow, you almost kill yourself. Running to the door, peeping and can't own. Could it be? You have been in
2: an affair. What's wrong with you? <laughs> You're just not acting like yourself. Tell me, tell me, tell. Me. What's happening
4: out there in the streets That keeps you out all night Away, 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 away from me
2: Whatever it is that's wrong You're just about to mess around And break up our happy home i hey. hey. Okay. To chase my blues away, I would be, I would be the luckiest man.
0: You know the one, our favorite, Teddy pentagrass uh, <laughs> We're going to keep laying on the heavy teddy tracks until we extinguish all of them, Mike.
1: Well, that's going to be quite a while, man. I just yeah. hope that uh, there's enough sweat to go around for those folks <laughs> out there listening.
0: Yeah, that's uh, you're listening to African Rhythms, and um, we're going to be here until 9 o'clock. Um, my name is David Jones, and my guest here is Mike Ingram. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, local native. Bobby Taylor. Root, root, root
1: for the home team. Uh, Bobby <laughs> Taylor, discovered by Motown when they happened to come up to Vancouver to a place called the Elegant Parlor to listen to Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's, who at the time had a guitar player by the name of Tommy Chong.
2: Mm. Who we know from Cheech
1: and Chong? Yes, indeed, yeah. that very one. And um, a rare uh, sight to see in the fact that this was not an, an integrated group. You know, you didn't see a lot of that in the late 50s, early 60s, so... Uh, they saw and obviously liked what they saw, and they ended up signing these uh, these guys to a contract at Motown.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's fair to say that um, the healthy R&B community in Vancouver, there was some good players around. I've talked to my friends Bill Ryder and some people, and they've told me about that time when Bill had a show Mm -hmm. in the late 60s, Groove and Blue. Yeah, It was a special time. Uh, There was the cave, and, you know, there was places you could see some really wicked stuff. (laughs) Yeah, a lot
1: of the old-timers here mention um, the cave, but, you know, the interesting thing about it is that You know, back in New York, you know, I talked in the last show about how, you know, they were like white kids in South Brooklyn who were doo and, you know, the black kids doo-wop. Everybody dug the sound and they dug the whole concept of it, Mm. but rarely did you see groups work together. Now, ironically, backstage, they might be trading riffs and stuff like that, but you would never see a mixed group. But this time, this was rare to see a mixed group like this.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, we're talking mid-60s here. Mm -hmm. A really special track, Does Your Mama Know About Me?, She gonna find out.
2: I shouldn't work.
0: A it's beautiful, a beautiful vocal version of Tell It Like It Is. Very well-known track. You have to be in awe of that version. Betty Swan. Betty
1: Swan. Haven't heard from her in quite a while. Came out in the early 60s with a huge hit called Make Me Yours. And then there was a, a significant gap of time before she really got on track again.
0: That's on a West Coast label, uh, Capital. We continue on now with the bad brother, Leroy Hudson. Oh.
2: my lips or touch me with your fingertips thrills me so cause I Just stay here. someone I love someone
1: James Brown, Mike. It can't get no better than that. That's James at his vocal best from the early days. Um, We were talking earlier that um, while everybody was doing whatever they were doing and all that stuff, that James and Little Richard had a huge rivalry going on back in those days in the late 50s, early 60s. Both are from Georgia. Uh, James Brown from Augusta, GA, and Little Richard, or Richard Penniman, from Macon, Georgia. And there were areas that were Well, there were Little Richard territory, and there were certain parts that were James Brown territory. Where where When he performed there, people would go crazy. They'd talk for days as to how fantastic the shows were. And there was a very, very spirited competition between the two of these gentlemen. And they brought the best out in each other because they took each other artistically as far as they could possibly go.
0: Yeah, some of those um, ballads Little Richard was doing um, around the early 60s, that's some pretty devastating early what became the Deep Southern Soul stylings in some ways.
1: Very Mm -hmm. much. James sticking to the hardcore, real gut-bucket type stuff. Little Richard having his stuff cleaned up because there were people like Pat Boone, you know, stealing money from the guy doing (laughs) remakes of some of his songs and stuff, so he went in another direction, but the bottom line was, the two of them were just these two master showmen and they would stop at nothing. I mean, James doing splits and cartwheels and leaping into the crowd and Little Richard getting on top of the piano and break dancing. I mean, all kinds of wild stuff. I mean, well, stuff that maybe wouldn't be considered wild by our standards nowadays, Mm -hmm. but back then, it was the type of stuff that really made people... You know, stand up. Oh and really man, check. that
0: would have been something to see. Let's let's turn our attentions now to a record we wanted to feature for a while: the "You Are My Starship" album, Norman Connors, early '70s Buddha. And something really special going on here. People like uh, Dee Dee Bridgewater and Michael Henderson, who's going to be singing on this You Are My Starship track.
1: Yeah, Michael Henderson, uh, Gene Karn, actually, on one of his earlier ones, Saturday Night Special, did a version of the Brazilian Gingy, and it was a wonderful vocal version. Um, Phyllis Hyman eventually got involved with this as well, and she did a cover of the stylistics Betcha by Golly, Wow. (laughs) although uh, the albums were entitled and he was the person who was given credit for it he broke a lot of careers or he opened up things for a lot of singers in that
0: time frame Michael Henderson who's gonna be singing on this you are my starship track yeah definitely we're talking about some really creative people so let's check it out now exquisite album entitled Love and Beauty, Lamont Dozier, and the perfect complement, Mike, to the last tune, You Are My Starship, Starship. same era, great songwriting, music, uh, both of them having that great saxophone solos.
1: Mm-hmm, and um, I find what's really interesting about this is that Lamont Dozier, very much part of the Motown sound for years, because he was behind the scenes as one of the writers for a lot of the material, uh, decided to take that whole thing to the West Coast. And then for, and they formed uh, the Invictus Hot Wax
2: Empire, where they tried to duplicate that. They had some great artists. In-